Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Corey, I know this isn't the case for everybody, but for my wife and I, we have lived in so many different places. Like we have moved, I think, even just during the time that we've been married, like nine times. And it is exhausting. You know, we're trying to get settled, get to a place where we, that doesn't need to be uh, an ongoing cadence. But um, in living in, you know, in all these different places, I've come to realize the shelter that you have, right? That your residence determines so much about every other aspect of your life. You know, as you were talking just now, you said nine times and I thought, holy cow, that is a lot. And then I counted quickly in my head and we are about to make our ninth move as well. And I know you've lived in other countries. I have as well. Um, and, you know, here in the U.S., I've lived in very different situations and it just makes me think, as we start this conversation about shelter today, everybody listening is in a, a unique situation. And and so we're going to try to cover things, as always, in a way that applies to everybody, but uh, with enough structure that can be tailored to each person's individual situation. Absolutely. I think when people think of shelter, when, when we talk about you've got to have food and water and shelter to survive, right? Those are sort of the main ones. I think a lot of people think of shelter and they think of like pitching a tent or like building a lean-to out of makeshift, you know, like sticks and twine and and like, yeah, those are forms of shelter. But the most important form of shelter 
when it comes to resilience is the one that you're already in, right? And we'll get into that. We'll talk about primary and secondary shelters and what you can do to um, to improve those and, and become resilient. Um, but I just wanted to state that first. This episode is not going to be about how to make lean-tos, right? Um, will there be an episode on, on makeshift shelters in the future? Absolutely. Um, but but when it comes to true resilience, we're not talking about um, we're not talking about some weird prepping scenario where you have to like flee your home and go build a, a shelter in the wilderness. Your home, wherever you live right now, and I don't want to sound insensitive by saying your home because there are a lot of unhomed people as well, right? But we we all need some form of shelter, and we all most of us have a form of shelter right now, um, and we need to make sure that that primary shelter is is a sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening, you might live in a home and that home might be more of just a shack or it might be like a mansion. You might live in an apartment. You might live in a trailer. You might live in a car. It, your situation might be very different. But I think if we just take a step back and think what really is a shelter what does it mean for us and, and what's the purpose of it? What are we sheltering ourselves from? Yeah, great thought. So, yeah, a shelter, it, it, it can be a permanent structure where you are all the time, right? You might take shelter from a storm under a tree, right? If it's a thunderstorm, hopefully it's not under a tree. But, that, like, it could be a hole in the ground. Shelter can mean so many different things. Um, but really the idea of, of what kind of shelter you need just depends on what you're trying to shelter yourself against. And there's a whole um, slew of things that our shelters do for us that we probably take for granted, most of us, and don't really um, appreciate or think about the fact that our shelters are protecting us from on a consistent basis. So I'm going to read some of those things here. Um, so obviously things like the elements, so um, excessive heat or cold are, I mean, that's massively important to our survival. Um, wind, the sun, um, sunburns and UV rays, things like that. Water, the ability to stay dry keeps us from getting hypothermia and ruining our things, right? Um, other things outside of the elements like bugs, you know, a lot of people, it's funny, there's there's people who love camping and who don't mind being around bugs at all. And then there are people who just absolutely can't stand mosquitoes and things. And imagine the bug situation if you were not inside of a shelter. Animals, so both those that would be considered predators, right? Um, or those that would just eat your supply, eat your stuff. Um, other people, so security issues, keeping other people out of you, out of your stuff and away from you. Um, unclean air, so chemicals, pollution, diseases, um, all of that can be helped by a good shelter. And then lastly, of course, there's um, more dramatic examples of things like shelters from explosions. Um, you, you hear about like fallout shelters and, and all of that. So there's a and, and there's more, but there's a lot of different things that we are sheltering ourselves from, many of which in this example that I just gave, we are sheltering, sheltering ourselves from every day. Yeah. So if we're sheltering ourselves from certain things, uh, that's going to look very different based on where we live, obviously. And that goes into kind of mapping against our risks. I'm so glad that we talked about threat modeling already in a previous episode, and that helps us in, in each of these pillars that we're discussing. But when you talk about shelter, you might be in a place where there's, let's say, a high crime rate. And 
you need to have a shelter that protects you from some sort of violence or or you need some form of security that allows you to not, you know, have somebody break in and steal all your stuff. You might live in an area where there is excessive heat frequently. And so having a shelter that is designed in such a way, or at least has what you, you need to be able to stay cool, that's the risk that you need to be most cognizant of. Um, and so one thing to keep in mind with this is that, like in the examples I gave, shelter crosses over with many of the other pillars. And as we get into some of the other pillars in the future, we'll discuss some of those. So I mentioned security as an example. Or when we talk about like how to heat or cool your home, there are aspects of that that fall in line with like energy. So we will get to that with some of the other pillars. Um, but I think as you think about your variables, you think about what kind of a shelter is your primary residence, and then you think about the risks that you're up against, that helps you know how to become more re resilient under this uh, particular pillar. Yeah, well said. I do think most pillars will fall over or fall under or cross over with shelter. Because when you think about it, uh, and this is why we're going to focus today primarily on your primary residence, sort of as your, as your primary shelter, it's your home base. When you talk about food, when you talk about water, when you talk about staying warm or cool and the energy that that requires and sanitization and hygiene and um, energy and all these different things, right? It all is contained or mostly contained within your home base with where you spend your time. Um, your residence, your shelter needs to be a place that can protect all of that and make sure that your your preps stay good. Um, resilience really is built out of your home within your community. Um, a lot of people, I think, have this sort of when, when they think about preparation, um, m maybe not, you know, there's this difference between prepping and resilience, right? That we kind of talk about on the prepping side of things. I think it's more, there are fantasies of like bugging out and having to leave and go live in the wilderness or having to trek across the country to find a better place to live and on all that. And I think of course there is a place for that. There are scenarios in which, being able to have those skills and being able to do that will be necessary. You should have a plan for getting out and evacuating and what you're going to do. And you should have some supplies to aid with that. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But when it comes to resilience, not just a, a one-time emergency response, but actually becoming resilient, um, you need to pick a place and let that place be your home base and expect to stay there. The majority of I think of threats that that are going to be faced in collapse. Um, there's no better shelter than the one that you build as your primary residence. So anyway, I don't mean to, to to get into that too much, but I do think that it's important to remember that and don't get number one too far carried away in in the fantasies of what could happen and and spending all your time prioritizing those. But also, don't spend your money and your energy um, too much on that side of things. Really focus on making um, where you're at the strongest and going from there. Yeah, and, and we keep talking about your primary residence. Most people listening are like, I only have one place that I live. Right. Yeah, but just thinking about if there were some emergency that caused you to need to leave your home, 
that's what we're, I think, talking about when we talk about like a secondary residence. Yeah, I'm not talking about like your vacation home. I'm not saying like implying that everyone has like a second home. You're on the right track saying it's like if, if it's a car or a tent or or you're going to go to your grandma's house or whatever it is, those things are necessary. But, but the focus should be on making your home base your strength. Yeah. So I think most people, if they have, let's say it's, it, it is an emergency response. There's a wildfire and they have to evacuate their home or there's a hurricane and they have to evacuate. Most likely people will go stay at a family or, you know, family member or a friend's house. And so that aspect of community and having people that like, if I need to go stay somewhere, I got some place I can stay. I think that's very important. Um, there is the other side of it that comes down to like just having some mobile form of being able to have shelter wherever you go. So that might be just having what you need in your car to where if you, we talked about food, if you got the food you need in a 72 hour kit, we talked about water and if on, in a pinch on the go, you've got like a, like a water filtration bottle. And let's say it's just your car where if you need to go leave your house and sleep in your car, if you've got that set up in a way that you're going to be fine, great. Or it might be something like a tent where it's not meant to be, you know, permanent. It's just something where you can take it and go if you need to. Um, when you talk about bugging out and all these different things, so much of that comes back to your variables and whether you have the resources to do that. But it also comes down to how permanent your primary residence is. If you are a homeowner, like you should probably put most of your time and efforts and energy into just making your home more resilient. If you rent an apartment, like there's not really much that you can probably do to actually change your shelter to be more resilient. You can change what's in it. You can change what you have supply wise, but you're limited in your ability to actually make changes to the structure itself and, and all that. Yeah. So as an example, let's say you, you realize you need like a second form of energy in case of an emergency, you have a home and you can like install solar panels or you can like install a, a big generator or something that's put in a wood burning stove. Yeah. Those are things that you probably cannot do if you're on like, you know, the eighth story of an apartment building, it's just not very realistic. And so, even if you're just renting someone else's house, they're not going to let you, you know, necessarily put in a fireplace or buy solar or whatever. And you may not want to because you don't plan on being there forever. Yeah. So if your primary residence is not very permanent, you probably will want to put more of your energy into like that whole secondary residence prepping kind of mentality. If your primary residence is permanent, then that's where you should put all your focus. And, you know, there's this debate that I hear a lot about, should you rent or should you own, right? You hear this debate both from a financial perspective. You also hear it in preparation um, as we go into collapse, which one is going to be better. And honestly, again, it just goes based off of your variables. I don't think there's any one right answer. Everybody's unique situation and desires and wants are different. You know, if your desired outcome isn't to stay in one place forever, you know, if that's not what you want, if that's not what makes you happy, it might be harder for you to build community if you're moving around a lot more often, at least local community. But 
in the end, you should be doing what you want for your desired outcome. Um, and so that may mean renting because you're more mobile. You're not tied down to one spot. And it may mean, you know, based on the threats in your area, it may mean you're more able to get up and leave if you need to. Where if you're a homeowner, you're tied financially to a property. If property values fall, you may not be able to sell that house, right? Um, you may not be able to leave as easily. You're more stuck. On the other hand, we talked about how just now, if you're a homeowner, you have more flexibility of what you're able to do with your property. So there are pros and cons for sure to both. And really, it just depends on number one, the lifestyle you want to live, what your desired outcome is, and then you have to look at your variables. You have to look at your threats and decide what is best for me. Should I be owning a home um, or should I be renting? And then once you know what you want to do or what you think is best for your situation, of course, the whole financial question comes into play. For so many people right now, owning a home is simply not it's not an option, right? Interest rates have become so high. Prices uh, through inflation have gotten so high on homes. If you're not in a home right now, um, it might be really difficult to get into one. Um, it's good to know what resources you have to know what, um, you know, for first time home buyers and what loans are out there and stuff. You can always look into that. Use your resources to make sure if, it, if that's what you want, is it an available option? Um, but financially, obviously, is going to play a huge role in whether you rent or buy or not. Um, and frankly, you know, we will do, we have you know, financial health is basically a whole pillar that we will talk about. But um, the, when it comes to your shelter, when you think about your finances, the majority of your expenditure every month is probably going towards your shelter just just to be able to have access to it, your rent or your mortgage. Um, and so having good financial health, speaking of crossover, is going to be huge in deciding which, which you go with. So to, to make this a little bit personal, to give an example, um, my wife and I, we were in a home. We chose to sell that home, and we have moved in with my in-laws. We are living in their basement, um, and that's meant to be temporary. We... Uh, the purpose of that is so we could build a home. I I talked about in the last episode how we had purchased these big water tanks. Those are not being used right now. And and that's just because of the situation that we're in. We're putting our time, our money, our resources into uh, finding a way to build a home so that we can start to use those again and and get that form of resilience built back up. But at the moment it just doesn't make sense. There's not the space for it. So, uh, again, depending on your situation, it, that will determine what you need to do. And I think we've flushed that out pretty well. So, with that in mind, when we've looked into and as we've researched how to how to become more resilient, depending on whatever your situation is, we keep coming back to the idea that one of the most important things is staying either warm or staying cool. And so I think it'd be worth taking just a few minutes to to discuss ways that that can be approached. And and again, as we discuss these things, everyone can think through how they can navigate that based on their personal situation. Yeah, so I'm going to read off just a few things. Um, they're just basic ideas. We can go or we will go into much more depth on a lot of these, maybe taking entire episodes to discuss, you know, ways to stay cool and stay warm. Um when the utilities fail. Most people shelter, uh, at least in the U.S., right? 
where we're talking from, um, have access to heat and cooling from the utilities that they have from their local governments. So here, right, the city, we have AC for when it gets too hot. We also have, um, you know, gas heaters when it gets too cold. Most people, everyone is a little, little bit different, but that's sort of the norm. And to clarify, when you say provided by the city, like you have a gas line and the utility provides the gas or you have an air conditioning unit, the city's providing the electricity. They're not providing like the form of staying hot or cold. They're just providing the utilities that allow you to connect to that. Right. Yeah, exactly. So those utilities are probably already in place for you. And again, it's another thing that we just take for granted that um, there's a thermostat and we put it to a temperature and it keeps the inside of our house warm or cool, right? There are obviously places all over the world that don't have those luxuries. There are people who are listening to this that don't have those luxuries and we're very lucky to have them. Um, so if you don't have those things, if you were to lose access to those, whether it is for a short period of time or whether it becomes a more permanent thing, it's important to know how you can stay cool in a heat wave or how you can stay warm enough um, if it gets cold. So I'm just going to go through a few basic ideas. Um, the idea here is not to go in, into depth on any of these. It's more of just a way to think, what can I be starting to do to add to my shelter to help make it more resilient for if I lose access to utilities, whether that be for a short amount of time or, um, or longer. So um, starting with, with heating, there are things you can do like sectioning off rooms um, you can, if you've got a decent sized home, a large space that can be somewhat efficiently heated by, um, by a gas heater or whatever heater you have, uh, if that were to go out, suddenly it's going to be a lot harder to heat that large of a space. Um, so you can section off parts of your house, an individual room, right? If right now you have your family sleeping across three different bedrooms, you can gather in one bedroom. And now you're only having to worry about one part of the house to heat right? Um, if you are building a new home, it might be good to consider one room to over insulate, to insulate interior walls, perhaps, so that that one room can be heated later. Um, obviously, if you're already in a home and, and you're not looking at building something, you can do simple things like um, if it is too cold outside, you don't have access to heat, um, you can um, put blankets along the bottoms of doors, right? So sectioning off an area keeping it uh, minimal, minimizing how much you're supposed to be heating in order to keep people warm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And as you're talking through how to stay warm, I'm thinking of the example from what, a couple of years ago when there was the Texas freeze. So state of Texas in the United States typically is very hot, doesn't ever, at least in in the portion of the state where this took place, it doesn't ever get to freezing temperatures. But there was a cold wave that came through, um, really cold temperatures hit, and that took power lines down. And people were in a situation where they weren't prepared to deal with trying to stay warm. I'll just add, you say it took power lines down, and it did. But it also, the bigger problem was that the utilities just became overburdened. Too many people were trying to run their heat, and it People never needed to run heat prior, and the and the lines weren't built for that. The only reason I make that clarification is because that is the I think the bigger threat, and it's one that with climate change we're all going to face, no matter where we are. No system is, or I should say, very few systems are going to be resilient enough to face the increase in demand that's going to happen, especially in areas that don't normally face those conditions. Yeah, and even in areas that do face those difficult conditions you think about like in arizona or california during some of these heat waves where the grid just cannot keep up with people trying to cool their homes and and even if the grid does keep up again the the costs were just astronomical in texas during this time the the cost to run your electricity shot through the roof right or gas costs shot through the roof by like i don't remember it was like 10 times plus the amount that people would normally pay um, because the demand was so high and they were trying to discourage use. And yet, we're talking about survival here. And people did die in Texas because they weren't prepared. Yeah, and I think, thinking of that very specific example of the Texas freeze, all of a sudden, cold temperatures hit and people might be thinking, I've got to find a way to heat my home. But I love that you're starting with this practical tip of, hey, be prepared to gather people into just one part of the house. Maybe bring everybody into one room and just worry about heating that one room instead of trying to heat the whole house. In the moment when people were panicking, they probably weren't thinking of that. But if we know beforehand how we're trying to prepare, we can um, be be much more resilient in that aspect. Excellent. Um, So along the lines of sectioning off the house, you can put up a tent in your house, right? Tents provide warmth. And if you put it in a tent, in a room and you have everybody camping in that one room not only can it make it fun for like the kids for example right we're te- we're camping inside um but it's it's just a way to again trap that heat a little bit closer um obviously you want to make sure that you have um adequate like sleeping bags or blankets if you consider you know i think back to um, i was in the boy scouts right and when i was like 14 we went up to um the mountains we dug a hole in the snow we basically piled it all up and we dug a hole out of it and we slept. It, we call them snow caves and we slept in them below ground level in the snow, right? And it was like, it was probably in like the teens degree wise Fahrenheit, very cold. And um, we were fine. It was warm and toasty, right? And a big reason for that was because we had decent sleeping bags. We made sure that we had adequate layers. Um, if we got too hot, we could remove some layers so we didn't sweat and have that sweat refreeze. So just making sure, basically, if you have adequate sleeping bags and clothing um, to be able to layer, you can mitigate 
a lot of the cold that you might experience, especially if you're not used to it. So moving on from there, those are, the, I think, kind of the most simple asks, right? Clothes, sleeping bag, a tent if you need one, and then make sure that um, that you have a plan for sectioning off one area of your home. Um, there are other practical things to consider, like if there's a freeze and your area is not used to that, what do you need to do for with your water, like shutting your water off and draining your pipes to, to make sure that they're not freezing and cracking and causing flooding in your home. Um, you can leave some faucets on a very low drip just to make sure that water is continually moving and there is an outlet for pressure in case the pressure builds up and that doesn't freeze. Moving water is a lot harder to freeze. So those are some really just pr kind of practical tips to think about. Um, you do need to be thinking of ways to actually create heat, right? So you can talk about, like you said, there's Maybe you have the money and you can buy a solar as a backup option. Maybe um, if you don't already have one, you can have a fireplace installed. Or maybe you have a fireplace in the yard that you can use to stay warm at some points during the day before going to bed. Um, we're not, there are, again, full episodes to talk about those things. We're not going to do that now, but it is something to, to be able to consider. It's also really important to consider safety. A, a reason that some people died in that Texas freeze was because they attempted to do things that they should definitely not do, like run a generator indoors, and they got carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, you have to know with the options that you have, with the with whatever you've come up with as your best solution, that you also know how to use them appropriately. If you haven't thought about and planned what you're going to use and how you're going to use it, you are you run the risk of panicking in the moment and then running your diesel generator inside your house and killing everybody inside while they sleep warm and snug, right? Um, but, you know, it's this really scary sort of silent killer that, that you weren't prepared for. So just knowing what you're using and how you're using it. And again, we'll get into more details on those things um, later on. So that's heat. Um, when it comes to staying cool in a heat wave, there are a lot of really great resources out there, especially recently. Um, some of the mutual aid organizations in like Portland, they'll open up um, cooling centers and then they'll talk about, they'll, they'll educate on how to stay cool. And just some of the tips that we'll go through here. Obviously, if you're in a pinch and you need to stay cool, you can use your car AC for a while. Um, if you just need to get out of the heat and make sure that you're staying cold and your AC doesn't work inside, your car AC should still work, right? As long as you have fuel. Um, having access to adequate shade. So, um, if you're not in the city, if you're in a rural area, you might have more options as far as getting off of the concrete, getting onto grass or soil, getting under a tree, um, anywhere where you can find a slight breeze to help cool you down is going to be super important. Um, you can do things like buy misting bottles. Um, they're basically just like little squirt bottles with a mister on it or whatever, and that helps just kind of keep you cool, keep water on you. Um, if you are near lakes, streams, rivers, all of that that brings the ambient temperature down, being around the water. You can actually physically get in the water if you need to. Um, if you are working and you have the option to do your manual labor at night or um, in the early morning, if you're going to be out in the yard doing anything, um, working on the car, any sort of manual labor that you got to do, if you can do it um, in, the, in the night or early morning when it's cool. Obviously, like opening your windows at night when there might be a little bit of cooler air, cool breeze, and then shutting them in the mornings. That just helps give a natural sort of AC at night, and then hopefully you're trapping some of that coolness in the house throughout the day. Um, the clothes that you wear, you, you might have heard like 
black attracts uh, it's albedo right the black will attract sunlight so you want to try and stay away from darker colors wear lighter colors and lighter fabrics you can soak your clothes in water um, wring them out and then put them on so they're constantly kind of cooling your body off um, if you're inside you can just simply go nude um, wet bandanas put your hair up you know there's there's a lot of silly I shouldn't say silly but simple ideas of what you can do to try and stay cool obviously a lot of these ideas that I'm talking about here um, are more relevant if we're not talking about a super high humidity event you know if we're talking about something that's more along the lines of like wet bulb temperatures with dangerously high humidity there's going to be a whole other set of things you want to try and do and again we'll discuss those in a future episode Okay, the last few things here, um, if you can have awnings over your windows to provide shade to the inside of the house, the ways that the, the house will heat up most is from the sunlight coming in through your windows and, um, and elevating the temperatures. So whether that's shade through awnings, um, shade through trees that you might have close to your house, it's something to consider, um, drapes or blinds if you have them make sure that they're closed during the day to prevent sunlight from entering as much as possible some people will put like film like a dark film on their windows blackout curtains um, those types of things shutters um, a big one i'll mention is that if you have a basement basements are typically much cooler than the upstairs um, i noticed that in my house like the downstairs in the winter it's a curse right because it's so much colder down there but in the summer it is just so nice to be down there because it just feels so so cool so yeah if you have a basement um definitely utilize that in a heat wave if you have a cold storage or something like that if you don't have a basement um and you're thinking about where you would like to live you know if you're considering renting or anything like that um consider a home with a basement if they are available in your area when it comes to sleeping um you can wet your hair before you sleep i used to find that doing that made me sick so um if that is what happens with you maybe don't wet your hair but um, it can help keep your head cool at night um you can use satin or silk sheets it helps keep the temperature away sleep in hammocks so that there's air under you you're not just sleeping on a hard surface um, again, keeping your windows open. And then there was also a suggestion of like water beds are very cool, um, can help keep your temperature down while you sleep. I haven't really seen water beds since the, uh, since the eighties and nineties, but did you ever play on those? Oh yeah. I was always scared of what would happen if I punctured it and it just. Yeah. They, there wasn't, there wasn't much of a concern there. I think, I think they made them to. Not be punctured easily. Right. But I was like eight when they were around. So I was always just scared that I would like fall into it at night. I think I had a dream once that there was a shark in the waterbed. <laughs> well, it, w mentioning water, one thing that's really interesting is so many of the ideas for how to keep yourself cool involve water, right? Make, like you talked about getting your clothes wet or your hair wet or whatever it is, having a, a mister bottle or something like that. And that goes back to our last episode. We talked about the importance of water just to survive, right? You actually need to keep water flowing through your body. But um, as you're preparing and making sure you have enough water, that's just another factor at play. You might need water to be able to just keep yourself cool. Excellent point. And by the way, my wife just mentioned to me today that a friend of hers, she lives... Um, close by about 20 minutes outside of where we live a little more rural and um she said that they 
just had a boil order put on their water because there's E. coli in the water. And I don't know how widespread it is. I don't know if people were getting sick or how they noticed. But anyway, for this friend of hers, she um, suddenly didn't have access to water just like that. Um, showering, brushing her teeth, washing her hands, just drinking in general. Like all of a sudden, she suddenly had she had to figure out what to do and they weren't ready. So they were, you know, scrambling to go to the store and buy bottled water. She said they had to brush their teeth at work. They took their toothbrushes with them to work in order to to brush. So it was just it was kind of a a quick little reality check of like these things happen. Stuff happens to our water supply. I just read a thing on CNN the other day that was talking about how um, the Mississippi there's salt water creeping up up it, and they don't think there's that much time left until eight hundred thousand people's water could be contaminated. Um, it's happening all the time. So just that's just another, uh, I guess, testament to what we talked about last week. Water is vital, and it can change your life in an instant if it suddenly is not available. Yeah, and that's the case, I think, with so many of these things, right? Like, it, it might you might be thinking of like the big earthquake that could hit or a hurricane or something, and and that's why you're thinking you need to be more resilient and prepared. But it might just be that there's an issue with like the the way that they sanitize the water and there's like e coli and all of a sudden out of nowhere you're not expecting anything all of a sudden your tap water isn't clean and everybody else's lives is going on as normal no one's coming to the aid or rescue there's four days for them to fix the water supply issue right to resanitize it make sure that it's coming out correctly and in that meantime you're left with whatever recourse you have come up with no one's going to save you, right? You can go live with mom and dad or something, maybe if that's an option for a while. And again, that's a great plan and it should be part of your preparation to have that as an option. But how nice would it have been if the friend had had a 50-gallon tank of water in the basement, right, that we had talked about and could simply go pump some of that out. They'd have water to drink. They could brush their teeth. They could take a quick shower if they, you know, if they had come up with a makeshift way to, to bathe themselves or sponge bath or whatever. But instead, they're like, you know, freaking out, running to the store to try and grab water bottles and brushing teeth at work and, and all this different stuff. So going back to what we we're talking about with shelter, uh, I love that you gave all those very practical ideas for just how to stay cool or how to stay warm, depending on your situation. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about, but I think is worth at least mentioning is insurance. So you and I, as we were kind of planning out this episode, that's something that we came to the conclusion it's not often mentioned in any sort of preparedness or resilience sphere. But literally, having insurance, right, is like it's it's looking to the future, risks that could happen, and making sure there's a way to shore up against those risks. It is a form of insure of sorry of preparedness of resilience, and. I am the, will be the first to say that, like, I hate paying insurance. It's the worst. Yeah. And there are so many things wrong with the insurance industry. And insurance might not be available where you live, or it's very different depending on where you live. It might be really hard to afford. Yeah. But if that is something that is an option available to you, it's worthwhile to consider putting some of your resources toward having a form of insurance. And there are many different types of insurance. You might be a renter and you can have renter's insurance that will cover 
uh, certain damages that take place, or maybe if somebody breaks in and steals stuff, it's going to cover that. If you're a homeowner and you have home homeowners insurance, um, it, you can be protected against different types of risks. You might have to you know, find out that in your area you are at higher risk of flood, and you might have to actually purchase flood insurance. Whatever the case, having uh, that sort of you know, there's so many people that have been hit by all sorts of tragedies and their life could be put back together quite simply if they had the insurance that would be able to cover the damages. Those that don't end up, you know, in a situation where their life is completely turned upside down. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the same with with home insurance. It's the same, like you said, with renter's insurance. It's the same with health insurance. And it's hard because of vehicle insurance. It's hard because a lot of natural disasters that can happen aren't always covered by your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance. You know, it's it's a big problem right now to try and find, you know, if you're in Florida, to find flooding insurance. Or if you're in California, to get fire insurance. It is what it is. It's 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 a difficult market to truly understand and to make sure you're always covered. But it is worth... Um, if you need some help understanding what's covered in your, in your insurance, to talk to your agent, your broker, make sure that you know what is and isn't covered. And if you live in an area with certain threats and they're not covered, figure out how to bridge that gap and be prepared for it because it, it could change your life. You know, my in-laws, their house has flooded three times in the last like five or six years. And when I say flooded, it's not like a stream you know, overflowed next to their house and flowed in. It's like a pipe burst. And then there was a leaky fridge. And then, you know, little things that they might have been out of town for a couple of days and got back and realized that the the ice maker in their fridge was malfunctioning and their entire house, you know, is flooded because of it. And it would have been an extraordinarily expensive fix that they may not have been able to cover um, if it hadn't been for the insurance to help out. So anyway, it's it's it is important to consider that and not skimp on it. I've had friends who have um, skimped on health insurance, just decided I'm not going to get it. And what a scary, like risky way to live. And again, this this isn't to be insensitive and say like, I know there are people who just can't afford it. Insurance is a luxury to have, but if uh, if you're able to right and even if it might mean sacrificing in some other areas financially like it's it's a good it's a good prep to have for sure yeah so if we take a step back and i'm just trying to kind of collect all of this that we've been talking about everything that we plan to discuss there's so much more that i think we want to discuss but for the sake of time at least know like here's my situation i've i know my desired outcome i know my variables and that will help me determine uh, how much of my time and effort, my resources will be put toward making my primary residence more resilient or toward other forms of shelter outside of my primary residence. Regardless, please find some way to have like a backup form of shelter, a temporary, we talked about a car, a tent making sure you've got connections with, you know, friends or family where you can go stay if needed. It might even be a hotel or whatever, but just make sure you have a plan if you need to leave your primary residence. But where possible, spend time making your primary residence uh, more resilient. 
There are all those different things we talked about that need to be considered, particularly heating and cooling and the things that you mentioned, and then also just that idea of insurance and making sure that you are shored up against all of the different potential damages that could take place. Well said. And next week, uh, you know, we have talked about how important community is, and yet it's hard because we haven't spent a lot of time talking about community. It's a, it's a bit of a struggle because there are so many parts of resilience that need to be mastered individually, right? Um, but also worked on as a community. So, so far we've talked about these first three pillars and how sort of as an individual, you can, um, you can master those or, or get started on them at least. Next week, we want to talk about how you can work those three items, those three pillars into the community how you can work with your community to make sure that those are in place. So I'm excited to do our first real kind of deep dive into the community aspect. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.